This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. All right, it's your Thursday edition of Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fay, and yes, there's a lot of moving pieces in the NHL tonight, but there is nobody who can stabilize the situation better than the man that joins me now. It is our usual contributor, VancouverHockeyNow.com writer Robert Simpson. Robert, good afternoon. How are you today? Good afternoon, Robert. I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic. Ooh, somber. The way you the way you introduced me there, I felt like a doctor, like calming <laughs> the situation, you know, ready to do surgery. I was having, I had a bar conversation about this last week. Who's the greatest TV doctor of all time? And we ranged from Doogie Hauser to the guys from MASH 4077. We did, that's, and, that's and kids don't even know what MASH is, by the way. Hawkeye Pierce. He was in the now, conversation. Funny you say that. Must be karma or something, bro, because I was stepping around here the other day and i was thinking about the guy that used to do the coffee commercials too much too much caffeine he goes just need half a cup the guy who played marcus welby md and the fact that there was a commercial on television don't laugh quietly that doesn't do us any good um oh god the guy there used to be a commercial on tv this is this was (laughs) where dump this is where the dumbing down of america started and this is what i came the realization i came to the other day a guy comes on a commercial and goes, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Yes, yes. And then he goes ahead and sells you a product. And, and to me, I'm thinking, so the general public, we've reached a point where that's sufficient. So I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And everybody's like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll buy the crap. What do you got? Well, my favorite doctor is Dr. Ho. And he's the uh, the doctor that puts those little sticky electro sticky things all over his body, and then as he's selling you the product, is like shoulders jerking periodically, and his leg and his cheek are doing its thing. He's wow. my go-to doctor. Um, you know who Don Ho is, right? Uh, absolutely, I do. I interviewed Don Ho my first week on working in television in Hawaii. I I interviewed Don Ho. Is that he, is that the weirdest interview you've ever had? It was close because he did, he, he was on a lot of medication and um, yeah, Don was in tiny bubbles. Let's start with the Vancouver Canucks and we will branch out. You and I, the only thing people are going to remember from this is that you interviewed Don Ho, but anyways, let's move forward here you and talk even, about, you haven't even told him about the soup yet. It's a cold moment for me personally, but we'll talk about that before this is done. Uh, Patrick Alvin. He is the 12th general manager in Vancouver Canucks history, uh, taking over for the much maligned Jim Benning. I know that everybody in Vancouver has been enamored since pretty much Jim Rutherford stepped on soil here in Vancouver, but this seems like an intriguing move. What do you make of it? I think it's fantastic. Let's get another European over here. I'm really deep into the European hockey scene. I publish, help publish, write, edit a uh, twice a week thing called hockey wanderlust it's based in stockholm new york and vancouver and i follow along all this stuff and i've had yarmo kick a line on as a guest a couple times through that and just stayed on the pulse of things over there and this guy is ready to go and if you don't need me to tell you that just ask jim rutherford i mean i talked to jimmy rutherford on saturday night and uh, probably should have just come right out and said he's hired but i didn't um, and he literally ticked off the list. He said, he's, he's, he's ready this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way in five different categories. And I was like, Oh, okay. And 
So he loves him. He worked with him for seven years and uh, the guy's qualified. I've talked to Yanni Varanen and Goran Stube, who run central scouting over in Europe for the National Hockey League. And they talked about glowingly. So the time has come 30, 30, 31% of the league's European. I understand why there haven't been more coach slash GM hires from Europe, because as Jimmy Rutherford answered my question the other day on the press conference, you know, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, and you're removed from the actual NHL scene. And it's, you know, you have the quote unquote old boys network. It's like, they're not really part of the flow. So it makes sense that it hasn't happened a lot, but now we have a Finn, we have a Swede. And in a couple of days, I'm going to examine who maybe the next four or five candidates could be. So Jim Benning was let go on the 5th of December. Today is the 27th of January. So we're talking about a good, you know, even with the break, six to seven weeks where this Vancouver Canuck team didn't essentially have a general manager. Now, I know Jim Rutherford's been sizing things up. He's added, you know, left, right and center. But does that play a factor into what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks? the fact that they didn't essentially have their team formulated over that period of time. Because sometimes you'll have a, a group that comes in right away and it's a super quick turnaround, but six to seven weeks in the middle of a season with key decisions on the horizon uh, is, is a pretty significant bubble. What do you make of that? Well, it's a good period of time, but as Jimmy pointed out the other day, um, I, I was kind of on thinking about the fact that, you know, COVID has screwed things up. It's, definitely uh, messed with his analysis and his time period. He, and he basically came out the same and said the same thing a couple of days ago when he was introducing Patrick Aldean. He said, you know what? I really haven't had the opportunity to see our lineup intact. And Bruce Boudreaux said the same thing. He goes, I don't think I've ever had, and I know this is still true because it hasn't changed in the week since he said it. He's never had the same roster two nights in a row because there's always been someone going out or someone coming in and pretty much all of it's COVID. So, and it's happened again tonight or it's happened. Yeah. It's happened again Thursday in the game against the Winnipeg jets. They had three guys shuffle in another guy shuffle out. So that, that element hasn't changed. So the breaking it down and figuring out what you have has been really difficult since Jimmy, uh, got, Jim Rutherford got hired on the 13th of December. And, um, and now he has a GM. So like I wrote the other day, they're both at the starting line together. Before we move on to former Vancouver Canucks and stuff going on in the NHL, let's kind of build on that for a second. So you come in as a new general manager, you come in in the news president, and you've got some pieces that are obviously there for the taking if you're another team. For example, let's focus in on JT Miller a bit here because Miller has basically been on everybody's tip of their tongue as a potential asset that could be moved by this organization. Uh, Miller coming out over the last 24 hours through his agent saying that they've never once asked to leave Vancouver and he doesn't know where this is all stemming from, but yet you hear this name come up in several different markets. Is this just the media banging drums to the point that other markets are picking up on it? Or is there something more to that? Well, I'll stick to my, I, I've asked around a little bit and, and haven't gotten the responses. I'd say I've talked to, eh, I, I've been, obviously there's been a lot of distractions in the last three, four days. We'll get to the newest one now, but with, with the team playing and then traveling and all Alvin being introduced, I think I asked about Miller with three or four GMs last week and they hadn't really heard that and which didn't surprise me because I think it's premature again. Um, I, I've, I can say the same things I've said before about he's a bargain right now. This team doesn't know what the hell it's doing right now. And I think really that's the crux of the conversation. 
is, and it stems back to what you just referred to, Jim and Patrick have to, who are we? What are we? And where are we going? And what are our priorities? And here's the way I look at it in terms of determining what you're going to do in terms of building, rebuilding, or, or tweaking the hockey club. You've got a netminder who's the base of everything. So how long does his prime last? Okay. So let's just say you take his contract. Let's just say four or five, six years. You want to have the opportunity to contend in that time period because you are set. And, you know, things change. Goalies get wacky and go from good to bad or bad to good. But for the most part, it appears you're set in the most important position on the ice. Okay. Then you build from there. We need D depth. That's what they're going to say next. There's no doubt about it. They need right side D depth. We could talk about the Travic Hammock mystery, but I don't really want to get, in, get into that today. Um, they need more scoring, particularly bottom six. Uh, you know, you look at the ages of some of the prime guys. You look at the versatility of some of the prime guys. JT Miller is a versatile prime guy. So you say bye-bye to that right now? I mean, that's just one of the many questions that Jim and Patrick have to analyze. And will they play themselves out of the playoff picture in the next two weeks? Another factor. Would it be fair to say if this team goes on a bit of a slide that JT Miller becomes super expendable, whereas if they get red hot and become a part of the conversation, it's almost impossible to trade him? Uh, uh, for me, it doesn't change at all in two or three weeks because they still kind of have to evaluate where he fits in big picture as they look ahead. In other words, do you give up a guy who still has a year left on his contract at five and a half mil? Um, and obviously you're going to get better offers, more offers and bigger offers as you get closer to the deadline. And that's not till March 21st. So I think there's some breathing room there and, I couldn't tell you, you know, I think all the talk heats up once you get, if you start sliding out of the space, if, if the Canucks decide they're sellers for whatever reason, even if it's a player who's got a year left, um, then you're, they're going to get phone calls from everybody about everybody anyway. So, but I, I'm still kind of like, take it easy on Miller for now. And let's let these guys evaluate their team and where the hell they want to go with it. We do have a new regime here and neither of them were really privy to the life and times of Jake Vertanen in this town. I mean, I don't think that Jim Rutherford or Patrick Alvin are going to speak to this at all. Organization coming out today, basically, in, in not so many words, saying, listen, it's before the courts now. We're not touching it with a 10-foot pole. But the Jake Vertanen book obviously closes on this market. How much attention should fans pay to this, or is this basically just one of those things that now that the Canucks have washed their hands of it, we just kind of look the other way? Well, I mean, it's an important issue because it's something you never want to brush under the rug. You know, if it turns out there's legitimacy, uh, the latest piece of information or, or move, move that has occurred since just before you and I started talking was Kevin Epp, his player representative, NHL certified agent, came out and issued a response or a statement to the fact that the Vancouver Police Department had um uh, issued one charge of sexual assault dating back the incident was how many years i'm gonna do the math five four or five years ago in september and 
the civil lawsuit was May of 21. So he's been going through it. He, they issued a denial in August, this past August, and now another one since this charge has been laid. So, I mean, it's not something you want to brush under the rug because of the importance of the topic. And obviously he is a public figure. He's now playing in Russia for Spartak Moscow as a, uh, 16 points in 36 games and is under contract there till the end of April, but probably will be coming home early. If he's not here already, I assume he's not, they had the court date pushed back. It was supposed to be today or tomorrow. Now it's February 10th, I believe. So I don't know if that means he's physically uh, not present, which it, the, the only way he could possibly be here already is if they found out this charge was coming well in advance of the announcement by Vancouver place. If he found out at the same time or just before the announcement Thursday by Vancouver police, then obviously he's still in Russia. I don't know. That's what I did. I did communicate a little bit with Kevin Epp, uh, left him a message, didn't call back, but he did include me on the, on the uh, statement list. And, the, and they said, that's all they're going to say. It is an interesting time. You know, and, you know, I think back to the Toronto Blue Jays, it's an interesting, I don't want to call it an equal comparison, but for example, when the news came to light about Roberto Osuna, Rogers Communications, Toronto Blue Jays rid themselves of Roberto immediately, and eventually the Houston Astros took a chance on him. You look at situations like this within the NHL, when a player faces this kind of music, how quickly they are to distance themselves from a player and the argument that I'll make, and I'm, I'm going to totally go against the grain here, and I know that I'm going to do this by saying this, but when you grab these players at such a young age, they're the hometown guys, there's a lot of added pressure on them because they're the local kids. Sometimes you got to wonder, and I know that he wasn't succeeding on the ice, which is part of the reason that they needed to part ways with him anyway. But in these moments, I always wonder if an organization shouldn't say, listen, we grabbed this kid when he was 17, 18 years old. Yeah, he screwed up, but we're going to, we're going to work with him to at least put him into some counseling or do something so that we don't just wash our hands of the player. Because the reality is, is these guys become hockey players and stars overnight in certain instances. And nobody, I feel like more and more people forget that these guys are still youthful. They're still young. They're still naive. All they've done is played hockey. They haven't had maybe that leadership that they need. So instead of just corporately ridding yourself of him, isn't there something you could do proactively to, even though he's not a part of our organization, we still want to better this young man who gave us the early years of his life. I, again, I know I'm swimming against the current on that, but I just hate when people simply say, like the Canuck statement today, well, he's not with us anymore, so we're not really going to speak about it. I don't disagree with you. I don't know if the age really has anything to do with it. What I, what I, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the one part that's terrifying the tendency that we've gone as a society because of the political correctness thing on on steroids it's like guilty until proven innocent it's been backwards for a long time and like you're saying from a public relations standpoint they suspended him and said that eh, you're we don't want you anymore from the time in the spring when the word came out there was a civil lawsuit filed now they had the convenience of suspending a guy whose contract was ending anyway right mm-hmm so, but still, since when, right? And, and now he's come out today again and said, I'm, I didn't do anything. This is, you know, I, this will come out eventually through the legal system that, and then what? You know, six months, year, 12 months, 18 months later, what happens when you find out, oh, 
bunch of crap, someone trying to make money, and I'm not saying that's the case here, but it has happened before. In that scenario, that hypothetical scenario, then what? 18 months later, dude screwed. And it turns out he didn't do anything. Mm. Now, if he did, he did. Guilty. But why 18 months before guilty, if that were the case, is he presumed guilty when he when we don't know that? And I'm not saying he is or he isn't. I have no idea. As I said off the top, this is a very important topic. And that's why I don't think we should shuffle it on the rug. I think we should see this out. Let's lighten the load here a little bit. Let's talk about Connor Garland and the fact that you continue for some reason to try to find a moniker that fits the profile of a guy that's quickly becoming a fan favorite. You did an article. What are you talking about continuously? I haven't posted anything since the fans came up with a boatload of ideas. And that was back on pre, let's see, that was on two, it was two weeks ago. It was January 16th. (laughs) And it was before, when he went into COVID, everything just stopped. But I was really impressed with some of the uh, some of the things that folks came up with. And you know what's really weird is after it was all said and done, like two days later, I was just writing another piece and I mentioned him as the bugger. And mm-hmm. I think that's it, the bugger. Because like I've been called a bugger and I've called other people a bugger. I think he's a bugger. I don't know if that's gonna stick. I don't know if that'd be good <laughs> for t-shirts, what have you. Uh, how about how about there was one one guy, this guy Garrett. I'm looking at the thing now again. He came up with Fonzie, like the Fonz from Happy Days. Yeah. There's a little bit of that there. I could see him in a leather jacket. <laughs> um, and then I, I had to shoot down a couple for historical purposes because one is they wanted to call him the mini rocket. And I was kind of like, eh, to use an American term, I don't think the statute of limitations is is going to really be over for a while longer on, on the rocket Richard and pocket rocket Henri. So we got to maybe stick away from, stay away from rockets. Um, and Terry O'Reilly in Boston is Taz. Some people wanted to call him Taz, but again, who gives a crap? It's Boston, right? That's most Vancouver people are going to say, who gives a, <laughs> so there, there's some good ones. There was a, uh, Lord of the Rings, Garlandelf. I like that one. I hold on. Garland. Isn't it Gandalf? Gan- yeah. But instead of Gandalf, it's, it was. Oh, Garlandelf. Gar- Garland- okay. I would. Garlandelf. <laughs> If it goes over my head, it's probably not the moniker you want to choose. Right. No, I like I like the simple ones like bugger, like ones that uh, shifty bugger, ones that kind of spell out the fact that he's a pain in the pain in the ass. You're totally going to stick with bugger. I can tell. I don't know if that's going to gain the traction you hope. Yeah, for. maybe not. But uh, something along those lines. I did actually have a favorite, and I can't find it. I can't see it right now. There's a. I wrote down too many that like there was a bunch of submissions. About gnarly. That'd be great if it was like 1994 and you were wearing some Ocean Pacific. I don't think it works anymore. All right, let's talk about Evander Kane because the Edmonton Oilers, desperate times, desperate measures. Um, I guess the contract works and I guess he's a quality player, but boy, is there a lot of baggage that makes its way out to, uh, to Edmonton. Would you have done this deal and is it worth the risk? Well, it really, I mean, gosh, a big power forward, a super talented guy. They have uh, the ability to sign him for a million bucks for the rest of the season. I mean, why not? I mean, because even though they've come out of their complete funk with a couple of wins in the division, Calgary and uh, Vancouver victories over them, uh, and they seem to have cleaned it up, they could always use someone like this. 
especially thing when things get heavy as we approach the playoffs and get into the playoffs, that is of course, presuming, assuming they are actually part of the postseason. And if they're not, then, Hey, thanks for coming. And if he behaves himself and it does have a positive impact, then, Hey, keep, keep dude around. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any harm done. They're not exactly a, it's not exactly a stable environment from a player personnel standpoint in terms of the quality of consistent play. So it's not like they're throwing this guy onto the 1998 Detroit Red Wings or the uh, 2008 Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, it's a little bit different. It's even a though, lot different. <laughs> even though the even though the Penguins <laughs> lost to Detroit in 2008 and won it in 2009, I wasn't necessarily specifying cup years there, but you know what I mean. It's not like he's walking into one of those types of clubs. He's walking into the right now the Oilers, and and they need some help. I, I am I'm surprised to say the least. All right, I want to finish up with this one. The Arizona Coyotes uh, look like they're going to be going God. to college, going back to school for the next couple of years. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what else this franchise can do that will make me raise my eyebrows. But thinking Nothing. that for the next couple of years they're going to be playing at ASU is a surprise to me. Nothing surprises me about hockey's purgatory. I, I seriously, I, I should I haven't read anything. I haven't read this. I think I read fifteen seconds of something and I caught a glimpse of it and I was just like, okay, I, I'm I'm just. I'm not going to spend any time reading about what the Arizona Coyotes are up to next. I think I saw something about four years in a barn, like they're playing in a college barn. Eh? Is, that, is that the story? So good luck. Great job. Keep up the fine effort. I mean, they should have moved to Hamilton, Ontario 11 years ago, in my opinion. They should have just let Jim Belsilly have them go to, go to Hamilton. It's absurd that the GTA does not have a second. You got, you got a team in Long Island, Jersey and Manhattan, and you don't have a second team. And there's how many million people in that area? Right. It's just, you know, are you kidding me that the Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, they'd have to pay a, a fee to get in there territorial and otherwise, but it's just asinine. I thought the whole idea was to maximize profits and have as many profit profitable functional teams as you possibly could making as much possible money as you could to spread around as opposed to having the rich teams paying for the poor teams, which is still the pretty much the common practice. Yep. It's I a would welfare, agree. It's a welfare system. It's a tough, so would, yeah, it is. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you take the, the crappiest team at the bottom of that welfare system and put them at the top, right? All because of... Well, you got a commissioner that's just hell-bent on keeping... I wish that Gary Bettman was in the NBA in the mid-90s when uh, Vancouver was all of a sudden in the hands of Michael Heisley and out the door the next day. I mean, if you had somebody as stubborn, truly as stubborn fighting for the Vancouver Canucks the way that uh, Gary Bettman fights for this Arizona Coyotes franchise, I think they'd probably still be here. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, the, the national TV footprint thing, that, that's just whatever, dude. Yeah, I don't buy that anymore. I didn't buy it in the first place, but I don't buy it now. We'll have to, we'll, how many people are watching the games on TV there? I think the ones that... what. 
I, and by the way, that crew does a pretty nice job. I've watched them. It's a pretty entertaining broadcast, to be quite honest, with Matt McConnell and Tyson Nash and the gal that uh, everybody. But um, God, what do they get? 4,000 people watching it? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it, man. It's absurd. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll have to break some soup over this one day. Is that, what, is that what you call it? Break bread? Break soup? Break bread. Break bread. Eat soup. Drink soup. <laughs> For those who are listening and uh, are wondering why we keep bringing up the soup just before we came on air today, uh, the big guy, Rob Simpson, was eating soup out of the pot. And I thought that that was sacrilege. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Dirty a bowl? And I was just like, <laughs> that is, <laughs> I can't even argue that. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, you're not right. Reasons. Multiple reasons. I just cleaned the entire, for the first time in a while, it's not going to do me anything. Yeah justice on the dating scene but for the first time in a while i cleaned up the place and just cleaned up the kitchen i'm eating out of the pan because i didn't want to just mess up and to b part b i was in a hurry because you and i are we're getting ready to do this thing and i was starving that so i had to eat it quick so i was going to eat it right out of the pan but i will say my last girlfriend did have a little bit of an issue with me being a pig sometimes so there you go hold on did you say you were about to eat soup out of a pan it was a pan that I ate it out of. I thought it was a pot. Pot? No, it was a pan. It was like a pan with a handle. It makes it even worse, man. <laughs> it it makes metal, it even worse. Metal pan. It was like I was out gold, <laughs> gold digging. Like, or what is it? Gold panning <laughs> for gold. <laughs> Sitting around the campfire. Oh, that's too good. Panning for gold and is eating my soup. That is I mean, too good, man. Exactly. I wish I'd have taken a picture. I, You know what? If I was more aware or astute, I would have taken a picture. Rob Simpson, let us do this again on Monday. Thank you for today. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. I look forward to Monday. Gee, what kind of crapola could possibly happen between now and then? Every time we think we're getting a little break and we just get to watch some hockey, it's like something else. Something's coming our way. Thank you, Robert. Cheers, Robert. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.